You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. We will get back to Romans next week. One more week and then we're back to Romans. But I'd like you to turn to Psalm 96. Psalm 96, if you want to turn your scriptures to that. A couple things before you get there. One is just that um, I think it's in your bulletin. Again, if you're looking for a Bible reading plan or desire to read through the Bible and maybe you've tried the one year and have failed or even the two-year, we've got a two-year Bible reading plan here. It's in yellow. It's at the front entrance. If you don't have one, pick it up. And uh, it's not too far along. You can get caught up and great to read. Right now we're in Matthew. It'd be Matthew 8 today and then Genesis 8 is as far as it is right now. But I invite you, if you don't have a plan to read through scriptures, uh, pick one of those up. As well as maybe it was mentioned, Sunday school, invite you if you have not been coming and want to get started back in. It's not too late. 9.30, Milt's teaching our adult class on American Gospel, the second movie, Christ Crucified, already just a good morning in class, and just want to really encourage you, come to that. Come be there at 9.30. Um, that'll be next week as well. So uh, before we read, I've got a couple pictures. I've got to make some, some makeup work to do, being gone a, at least a week and then another week before. This is from Kate Dewey's granddaughter, and um, she drew this. This was on Christmas Day. We were, again, talking about Christ who became poor so that we might through his poverty become rich and so Kate drew a wonderful picture there of the of the nativity so great colorful work appreciate that and then last week I was gone I appreciate Pastor Roger filling in delivering the word to you uh, from 1st Samuel and Malachi helps us out this is good artwork Malachi way, way to go um, Lord does not look the Lord does not see as man sees man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the the heart, and Eliab, and, and then David there in the uh, anointing of David to be the next king by Samuel. So thanks for bringing that out. Other kids, if you've got your clipboards or there's maybe some left, some crayons, feel free to get up, get that if that's helpful to you, and draw along as we, as we look through the scripture today. And by this time, you're at maybe Psalm 96. Let me read the entire psalm to us. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. 
Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for He comes. For He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, we just come before You now. We do crown You King of all that Your name is the only name worthy, the only name of salvation. And so, Lord, do guide us in the minutes we have together to consider the psalm and consider our church and what we are about. Would You just guide us to again be refreshed, to understand what is our purpose, what are we doing here. And we just pray that You'll guide this teaching, guide the preacher and those listening, guide us all, Lord, to be convicted and turned, and turned really towards worship of you once again. We pray this in your name. Amen. Is it a little bit risky to mention the Green Bay Packers this morning? It's not risky for me. I can, um, we don't need to get into how the game went a week ago. I'm not going to mention, I won't even mention the score, because we've lost, uh, didn't we, earlier in the season, so... But there is one quote and one person from the Packers from a while ago that I want to mention, and it's from actually July of 1961, Vince Lombardi, and Mike Crandall writes of this time. So take us, we're coming back to July of 1961, it says, he says, Vince Lombardi kicked off the first day of training camp for the 38 players on his Green Bay Packers football team. The prior season had ended in a heartbreaking loss to the Philadelphia Eagles after blowing a lead in the fourth quarter of the NFL championship game. When the players came in to start training camp, they expected to immediately begin where they left off and work on ways to advance their game and learn fancy new ways to to win the championship in the new season. When they sat down and began, Vince Lombardi held up a football and said, remember that line, gentlemen, this is a football. He then had everyone open up their playbooks and start on page one, where they began to learn the fundamentals, blocking, tackling, throwing, catching, etc. That was clearly not what they expected as players who were at the top of their game. This hyper-focus on fundamentals allowed them to win the NFL championship that season, 37-0 against the New York Giants. Vince Lombardi went on to win five NFL championships in seven years. He never coached a team with a losing season after that and never lost a playoff game again. Believers in Christ, this is a church. And as we start a new year together, I want to take us back once again to the fundamentals of who we are as a church and what our mission is. What is it that we are about as Bethany Bible Church? And our statement of faith lays it out well. I'm going to use that. And particularly, there's a section on the mission of the church. And hopefully, maybe by now, you're saying, this sounds familiar to me. I think he brought up Lombardi last year. And you would be right. And I don't think I brought up Lombardi, but I brought up this sermon. In fact, this is the third time I'll be preaching this sermon. I've changed it a little bit. But Lord willing, just for expectation, next year you might hear the same thing again. Why? Why would I 
preach the same sermon. I think, for starters, one is we are just forgetful. I mean, I don't know if you remember a sermon I preached from a month ago. I barely remember. Maybe even last week, you say, "What? yeah, I know Pastor Rogers was here, but that's a week ago. We're just forgetful, and we need help remembering, and we forget so many things. And so hopefully what I'm doing today is to help us in our own forgetfulness and even in our own complacency, that we're not here just kind of, as I think it's already been talked about, we're just doing church. We're just here through the motions. I don't, it's Sunday. That's what we do at 1030. We come and we gather. But hopefully there's, as we look here, we're anchored to what it is we are about as a church, lest we let the culture or the world or our own flesh dictate, well, that's what we should be doing. That's what we're about. So we want to see that and our mission. But truly, our mission, understanding it, really begins with understanding God's primary purpose in all things. What is God's mission? What is His ultimate goal? God says this in Isaiah 42, verse 8. He says, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. And we've got in our passage today, even in Psalm 96, In verse 8, it tells us to ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. And even earlier, if you see verses 3 and 4 there, it says, Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. And then verse 4 answers, why? Why declare glory? Why His marvelous works? For, verse 4 says, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And then look just a bit further at verses 5 through 6 that we read. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. These two verses, they they contrast this glorious, the heaven-making, this majestic God over the gods of the peoples which are really worthless idols. And Romans 1, as we've looked at before, would call this an exchange of glory. So creation speaks to the glory of God, but the created thing or the creature is not to be worshipped. That's for God alone. So all that is splendid, all that we think is majestic on earth, it pales. It, it points to, but it pales in comparison to Him who is described here, splendor who is majestic, who is strong, who is beautiful. And so God's ultimate purpose is God's glory in everything because He is before all things and He's exalted above everything. This is not some lesser God among other gods just demanding that we worship Him and trying to to gain votes in His favor. This is the God of the universe saying, worship me, I created everything, I'm the maker, I deserve all glory. And He does. And it is His purpose. And so, mission number one of our church is to exalt the Lord. That's number one. To exalt the Lord. But even in that, let me first say, that even begins in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. To even exalt this Lord. Because we are a people who naturally, in our sin, we rebel. We disobey And we glory 
I mentioned thinking about created things or the creature, we easily glory in other things, easily making other gods. We have no problem setting up little gods and worshiping little idols in our lives easily. And we're str- we've strayed. In Romans 3, 23, we've fallen short of the glory of God. And yet it's there, even in that falling short, even in that weakness in our sin, where God in His grace, He gives us new life by His Spirit. And so in that new life, we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Christ who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. And so we're called out of sin and darkness into this marvelous light so that, as First Peter tells us in chapter 2, verse 9, that we might proclaim the excellencies of Him who called. There's that, the purpose. Why Called out of darkness to do what? To bring glory, to proclaim excellency. That's what we're doing in song and in this whole morning. God calls His own for His glory. And so it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that restores us then to bring glory to God. Our statement of faith puts it this way, explaining our primary mission. It says, It is the primary mission of the church to bring glory to God consistent with His ultimate purpose for all of the created order. The corporate gathering of the church is primarily and ultimately the exaltation of God in worship, prayer, and the preaching of His Word. We're going to do other things, and there are other ways we exalt the Lord. There's Sunday school. There is midweek. We have a prayer meeting we'll be doing devoted. There's men's studies, women's studies, that sort of thing. But it's here. It's this corporate gathering even amongst others, but this where we gather together. And the center of our gathering is the exaltation of God. And the last part of that statement really describes how we do this. Worship, prayer, and preaching. Here, I think, when, it, when the statement of faith talks about worship, worship is, is everything, but here I think it's that idea of us singing together. And that's the, Psalm 96 speaks to this. Psalm 96, verses 1 and 2. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Boy, that's repeated, isn't it? Three times. What shall we do? Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Singing is God's means, one of the means of His exaltation. Creation sings. Birds sing. Whales sing. Maybe you've seen that video. None of them singing words that I've understood, but they sing in their sound. Think of all creation just singing the glories of their Maker. And so we should sing too. And singing here in the psalm is telling that the words we sing, that they speak of truth. They speak of the glory of God. So we want to sing songs that exalt, crown Him, that exalt the Lord. I saw something posted this, this last week, and you know, you've got to be careful about little things. And I, I don't know if it's a, not really a meme, but just a kind of a statement posted. And I thought it, it just caught my eye. It was something to the effect of, Here's two sounds that you'll hear in a healthy church. Two, two sounds to the ears. One is babies crying. That ought to comfort parents right there. Sound of a healthy church, babies crying. Moms and dads, let them cry. I'll just I'll keep preaching through it. That's a good sound. But, and the other, number two, is, is men singing. 
babies crying and men singing. I thought that was in, that's not all that could be said, but I thought that was interesting. And I think our singing, I'm, it's so good to be back and sing with you. And let me just encourage men, just continue to sing out. And ladies and kids, sing, sing, sing. Whether your voice, you don't need to be encouraged. My voice is terrible. It doesn't matter. Sing to the Lord. Let us hear that terrible voice and sing to the Lord. It's not us really. I mean, in a way, you're singing to us as we encourage one another, but you're singing to God. Why not sing to the Lord? Three times it's mentioned here in Psalm 96. I think there's repetition for a reason. Do this. Don't hold back. Let your praise to God be known here that it might be known elsewhere as well. And, as I mentioned, by our singing, by our singing horizontally, we do encourage one another. Paul talks about this to the church of Colossae. He speaks of, in singing, sing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we exalt the Lord in worship, worship in song, but worship is also more than singing. And so there's other ways. And we exalt the Lord in God-honoring, dependent prayer. So there's song and there's praying. Jesus says this, Matthew 21, My house shall be called a house of prayer. That's verse 13. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And so the church, this dwelling place of God, is to be a place of prayer. By prayer, we acknowledge who it is that we are exalting. If you think of the Lord's Prayer, how does the Lord's Prayer begin? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it start with? Hallowed be your name. Our Father, we look to you. It exalts the Lord. And so prayer calls out, it acknowledges this one name that's exalted and the one whose will we say, above all else, Lord, your will be done. But prayer also is dependent. In prayer, we acknowledge our need. And we seek the one from whom all blessings flow. I've said this in the sermons in past, convinced out of our programs, out of things we might do, out of outreach, out of flashy things, prayer, simple prayer, remains our greatest ministry, maybe a, the most untapped resource among us that we have in ministry. And I say that to you as much as I say it to myself. Why do we not pray more? Why do we not seek the Lord above more? And I'm thankful for the times of prayer we have and that prayer is a part of our morning and a part of our, of our week, week events. And I encourage you, if you're looking for a place to, to be involved, I want to be more involved, pray. Pray in your closet at home. Come join us at 6.30 on Wednesday nights and pray. That we would begin there saying, Lord, we worship you and we need you and we go forward in ministry. So dangerous to my own soul and to yours for us to charge forward. I think we got this. I mean, I preach this three, you know, I think we got the mission. We're good. We don't need, thank you, Lord. We'll just keep going. We need him daily, hourly. May we be a church of prayer. And lastly, we exalt the Lord by hearing His Word through what I'm doing right now, through preaching. Paul says to Timothy, 
He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then it's the next chapter where Paul charges Timothy. He says to him, preach the Word. God uses preachers. He uses preaching to communicate the truths of the Gospel and to equip His saints. And so I want to encourage you to worship the Lord by leaning forward to hear the Word of God preached. Not because the preacher's so, boy, is he dynamic. Man, he's engaging. I love his humor. But because the preacher is seeking, hopefully, to take you to the Word and to the Lord of glory. And challenge those preachers that, that do not do that, or me when I fail to do that. But I want to encourage you as well, when Brandon comes up or Milt or Dave and there's Scripture being read, we go, we want to lean forward. We want to hear, yes, hear the preaching here, the, the looking and the examining, the expositing what is here in the text. When that Word, say we want to be Word-driven people, that we listen for the Word of God. If your attention span is short, I encourage you, take notes, whether you ever look at them again. Get, get a cheap notebook. They're probably a dollar you know, or, or less these days. Find one. Take some notes. Take time, as I mentioned before. Take time Saturday night. Consider Saturday night as part of your prep for Sunday morning. Consider preparing your heart as well there. Parents, I want to encourage you. Maybe you've got one, the young ones with babies crying that you can only pick up a sentence or two out of the sermon. And maybe this is the first sentence you've heard all the sermon long because you're just wrangling kids the whole time. Take that little bit, what you hear from the Word, take that with an ear to obeying, listening, and worshiping the God you're hearing about in the Word. And so may we be like those, like the psalmist who says this in Psalm 119. He says, I rejoice at your Word like one who finds great spoil. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I pray that characterizes our lives, not just corporately gathered, but also our lives through the week. So mission number one as a church is exalting the Lord, gathering to worship, gathering to pray, hear from his word, you might say kind of our, our vertical mission, our God-glorifying mission is to exalt Him. Secondly, our mission is more internal as well. Still glorifying the Lord, but this idea of building up the body. Building up the body. Our statement continues on the mission. The saints, it says, the saints are edified. They're built up through the means of grace by the instruction of the Word, by biblical fellowship, and by the corporate observance of the ordinances. Would you turn, we've looked here before, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, where we see this laid out by Paul. Ephesians chapter 4, particularly verse 11, I'll start at. 
Ephesians 4 in the New Testament, Galatians, Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11. Here Paul is speaking of God's grace given to each one of us. Each one of us in Christ, the church, is given gifts. And so we come here, Ephesians 4, verse 11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Christ, from whom the whole body joined, held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The, what's the grand purpose of these apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, pastors, teachers? And it's found in verse 12 there, to equip the saints. And the word equip, again, that idea of it's like preparation, training, discipline. Towards what purpose? That's the second part of verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So in this sense, if you can see this again, the pastor, you know, sometimes called well, the, the minister. The pastor has a role to play. The elders have a role to play and to lead and to guide and to shepherd. But there's a role, there's a ministerial role which you, dear saints, are part of. You are the ministers, not the pastor. He's to minister, but you come along as well. And the ministry is to build one another up into the head, which is Jesus Christ. That's verse 15. This can be applied, you know, formal programs, ministries, Sunday school, that sort of thing. But I think even just a little to drill down, I think ministry, this is much more, the idea much more relational. Ministry, this one-to-one, the, the speaking the truth in love that we see in verse 15. So ministry is not just thinking of ministry as a Wednesday night ministry or Sunday morning ministry, that sort of thing. Ministry is the saints being equipped in Christ to build up one another in word and in deed, each part working properly. You are a part of the body. It's such a helpful metaphor. That when one part is not working, you've got a, a little sliver or whatever, you just tell, and it's not, it's, it's distracting from the whole body going forward to do the work of glorifying God. And so each part working properly. And I'm, I'm encouraged to hear amongst you of each part working and serving, providing a meal or seeing a need and meeting the need. It's just wonderful to hear about that in our, our place, here in this local body of Bethany. So I'm encouraged to hear that amongst you. Well, our statement of faith in this building up of the body, it sees various means of grace through which God builds us up. They're described as the instruction of the Word, 
biblical fellowship, and the ordinances. The ordinances, that's not gun ordinances. Like that idea, this is, this is the ordinances, thinking of like communion, we'll celebrate here, baptism, that idea. Theologian Wayne Grudem writes this. He says again, those who neglect the fellowship of the church willfully cut themselves off from all of these means of grace and thereby cut themselves off from most of the ordinary means that the Holy Spirit uses to bring blessing to His people. These means of grace ought to give us great appreciation for the amazing privilege of being members of the body of Christ, the church. Did you hear the word ordinary in what he was speaking, talking about the, the means of grace, these ordinary means? Often maybe we look for signs of God amongst us, miraculous signs, big life-altering events, major spiritual experiences. But I think that word here, these ordinary means are God's ways of growing us in grace. Ordinary, like reading the Word, like prayer, like preaching, like singing, like fellowship, like a, a small table with bread and some Welch's grape juice to celebrate the gospel. These ordinary means, we look at them, this is, this is small. No, it's God's means of grace for our heart, His ordinary means that would grow us in His grace. I want to encourage you and even my own heart to not spend time waiting for that, that wow experience, that revival moment. Simply discipline yourself to God's ordinary means of grace. Just the, the daily the weekly, the plodding along in His Word, in prayer. I'm gathering, I'm fellowshipping, and take part in His means of grace. So, as we exalt the Lord and we build up the body, so flowing out of that comes out the doors to where you live. And that's the third mission, flowing outward. Be brief, it is evangelizing the lost. Our mission statement, that one reads, Jesus Christ has given the church an enduring commission to evangelize the lost with this responsibility extending to every believer. Biblical evangelism must involve both the spoken word and the unspoken testimony of a life transformed by the grace of God in Christ. There is a verse standing above our mission board as you enter this hallway here that comes from where we have been in Psalm 96. It's verse 3, and it says, Declare, again, declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. This work, this declaring glory, this, this declaring of praise, declaring of God's works, it's not just the work for those missionaries whose pictures we have there. They go, well, they're taking care of it. Good deal. Uh, head home. This is part of our commission, our work as well. And it's the work and joy of each one of us to declare God's glory among the nations, but perhaps starting in your own neighborhood, your own place of work, your own school, your own sphere. Maybe God is calling you to go further, to go somewhere overseas or to go to an unreached people that need, that have never heard the gospel. Don't let me, don't hear well, just stay home. It's okay. We're to be declaring His glory no matter where we are. 
God calls some to go very far. In Matthew 9, we see also declaring is having compassion. We read there, Jesus saw the crowds. It just says there, he had compassion on the crowds because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Declaring is having compassion. I wonder if you know any wandering sheep. Do you know anyone? Do you know, hopefully you do. You know anyone who has lost, someone who needs the shepherd. We are to declare Jesus Christ, the light of the world, to a world in darkness, or maybe a neighbor in darkness, or a co-worker, or a friend. The commission of Christ is clear. It's at the end of Matthew. Go and make disciples. Parents, this is most, most intimately, most closely our kids. Make disciples of your own children. But I don't think it stops there. I don't think that's where it ends. It goes beyond. And I want to just ask you, are you part of making disciples? Are you part of declaring the glory of God in the work of Jesus Christ to save sinners. And I want to challenge you once again this year to think of someone in your sphere who is lost that you could begin, at least begin, praying for. I encourage you even in your notes or in the bulletin, wherever, or later on today to pray about it. Lord, who would that be? Who, who have I noticed? Who does your spirit kind of just, is just drawing me to maybe tell the, speak the gospel I, li- I want to live out the gospel, but maybe I need to share the gospel with this person. Maybe it's the same person from last year that you wrote down. You thought, boy, I, I kind of forgot about that last year, and I need to keep praying for him or her. Or maybe somebody else in your neighborhood or where, where I don't know where you're, wherever you are, that God has just put in your path. Sometimes he's put them repeatedly in your path until we say, oh, yeah, I should, yeah, ministry is right here before me. I should, I should preach the gospel. But begin in prayer. Begin even, even in prayer, not so much for that person, but that you be so overflowed. Overflowed, is that a word? Overflowing with joy in the Lord. That it just, it, it's not like, man, I just, yeah, I'll kind of share the gospel. Why would I not? Why would I not share this glorious thing? That's why we need, we need God's prayer. Lord, show me your glory before I go proclaim it. But then don't, don't wait around. Lord, show me your glory. And, and even in the proclaiming, it, it benefits both. It's not just for the one lost in sin. Boy, I better go help. As you proclaim the gospel, you're rehearsing the gospel, and you're remembering yourself. What is this gospel? Christ has died. I am a sinner before a holy God. He's died for me that I might put my faith in Him and live forever. And you're encouraged in the going. And watching God direct your steps in all your words or your wrong words or how you failed to really tell the gospel the right and you started talking about Melchizedek and you got all flustered and yet God through His Spirit, He works through weakness. Just be faithful and go, but pray and then go seek. Maybe consider who that would be. This is the church, a body of believers who gather together. We gather to exalt the Lord to build up one another, and then to evangelize the lost. Are you part of this mission? Again, the beauty of this mission is you do not need a seminary degree to be part of this mission. You do not need to know Greek or Hebrew as much as I love old languages. 
You need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I hope you know Him. I hope you begin with knowing the gospel of Christ. And then come on board on the mission to exalt Him, to give glory to God. Lord, how would you help me build up one another around me? Who do I keep seeing through the doors that you come through? These do- or who do you keep putting in my path to minister to here that, that this is my gift and I can do this? I know how to make this or do this thing or, or I've got this and how God has equipped you and equipped you even through the Word this week to encourage one another. Encourage each of us. Be a willing instrument in the Lord's hands among the people He's already placing around you and then as we go out from here. Let's pray. Father, perhaps this sermon is familiar and will be familiar next year. You tell us in Your Word to not just hear Your Word, but to do what it says. Help us not to look in the mirror and go away having not reckoned to do something about what we've seen. First and foremost, Lord, we we glorify Your name. We praise You. We want to sing to You, worship You, depend on You, hear from You in Your Word. May we exalt You. Lord, may we build up one another. Lord, may You reveal to us who it is we need to encourage, even, even this very day, with Your Word. May we be so filled with Your Word that when we are talking to one another, we can encourage with Your Word. And then, Lord, as, as You reveal each one who it is, who, amongst a million people, Lord, where it is You've uniquely placed each person, whether they're a first, or second, third grader, whether they're in their 80s, Lord, where You've put us to proclaim the Gospel, may we do it with a joy, a joy flowing from our desire to glory in you, to treasure you above anything else. So we pray this, that you'll guide us in this. In Jesus' name, amen. just going to move this out briefly. forgot to give myself some space here. Well, as we talked and as we went through our mission statement, really begins, and it begins here, doesn't it, with the gospel before us. Uh, that's not the ceremony per se, not just the actual bread or the, the juice that we'll take up, but what it represents, what we, what we do in remembrance. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.